Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. There's no better pitcher in the world than Philippe Mon with the bases loaded in the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, we discussed this. You kind of <laughs> dismissed the idea that it would matter. Well, the next start certainly supported your theory. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell Ernie Witt to drink Joe Boo's rum. <laughs> it's your solution for everything, Josh. <laughs> and welcome to episode number 260 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we're handling Canada's WBC exit better than edwin diaz's knee oh that was me <laughs> i'm your host greg wazdowski and i am joined by the sun basked joshua Housem. hi how's it going it's going good um uh, technical difficulties aside vladimir guerrero jr is back he's running the bases canada is gone out of the wbc uh not before otto lopez had a chance to to be a hero um, and then we have, you know, the Blue Jays news updates as well. They, we have Yusei Kikuchi, uh, Mitch White. Uh, we have Chris Bassett, who got a, uh, a lead piece on Sportsnet today uh, or yesterday. Um, we have Kevin Gaussman with his adjustments to his delivery uh, and all of the action around the spring. We have, of course, your questions about any number of things uh, related to the Blue Jays prospects this season. And then a gold star for Duque Hebert, uh, who I... I had never heard of, and apparently neither had anybody else. But guess what? He's got himself a contract with the Detroit Tigers now. We'll get back to that a little later. First, good news. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is up and running. Yeah, and he showed no rust in his first game back. I was at the game. He scorched a line drive to center at 113.3 miles an hour and it looked like just a line drive out but they hit it so hard that it went to the fence on a bounce <laughs> that's our vladdy that's that's the vladdy you want every game right hitting the ball 114 115 miles an hour yeah and uh, he was moving around there was a point today where he sort of flexing his knee but it was just it turned out his pants were <laughs> were, were bunched up a little funny it's like <laughs> oh okay false alarm <laughs> Oh man! After something happens, there's that 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 total paranoia. I can't imagine what it's like as the athlete, right? When you when you dig in and you make that turnaround first base, right, and you you hit the bag with your bad knee, going well, it you know, 
it either works or it doesn't. He wasn't shy though. He was uh, he he liked it out for that double, right? Yeah, he did because he, he did actually have to run, and he tried to beat out a double play. He did, he looks like he's moving without any impediments, which is the most important thing you can say. The rest of it doesn't really matter how he plays, how he hits. He still is hitting, but as long as he's healthy, he's still Vlad Jr. So it doesn't really matter what he does in spring training. Yeah, you just he needs to get reps in. He's had 15 plate appearances so far, 15 at bats so far. I'm not sure which it was, um, but he's got two more weeks. Lots of time to get up to speed. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate too because for him, he wanted to play in the WBC so badly, and he finally gets healthy, and the Dominican Republic didn't make it to the second round. The vaunted, possibly favorite, I I picked Japan, but I think you might have picked Dominican Republic to win it on our last episode. There you go. He didn't end up getting even to play for them because they didn't make it to the second round, which is a tough beat also i'm not a gambling man and this is one of the reasons well, that's uh, good reason <laughs> speaking of teams that are out of the world baseball classic uh insert o canada uh, orchestral arrangement here <laughs> um, i don't know i mean they're out so <laughs> do, you, do you play the anthem when you get booted sure i mean they're still canadian um so they did win. I, I watched Otto Lopez be the hero with the eighth and ninth inning uh, trip. Was it triple and home run um, yeah. to seal the 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 victory against? Uh, oh, my brain! Not Colombia. Colombia was it? Colombia? Okay, my I was right uh, against Colombia. Which I mean, a home run's a home run. Uh, but the, the the Canada ended up two and two in a group where everybody ended up two and two. And, and the run differential and, and who they had beaten, who they had lost to, destroyed them. Yeah, I, I mean, Canada didn't really deserve to advance. They, they beat up on the very, I mean, good for Great Britain for making it, right? That they, they, did, they, they qualified, and they actually, by, by winning against Colombians, they avoided relegation, which is tremendous for them. And very happy for them, but but the, it wasn't. It didn't end up being a tiebreaker. It could have been Mexico and USA both finished three and one. Right. Sorry. Yeah. So Canada finished in the middle of the group, and it's this is the second or third time where they've had a game against Mexico where if they win it, they'd advance, and they've lost to Mexico every single time. The only time they beat them was when it was it it didn't help them advance because they lost on tiebreaker rules. Hmm. I'm on the edge of my seat. Um, that was the year they had the big brawl. Also, brawls in the World Baseball Classic make no sense to me, but that's that's a whole other, <laughs> a whole other ball of confusion. Um, yeah, so back to the drawing board for is it is it still going to be every three years for the WBC? Are they talking about four, that? Four, I think four now. Um, oh, yeah, four or five actually. It's usually been four, but then the COVID might have. Oh, COVID things definitely up. messed things up a hundred percent. Yeah, but I, I just want before we get on to Otto Lopez, I, I just want to highlight some of the performances. Uh, Edouard Julien was he sort of put himself on the map. He's a prospect for the Twins. He went seven for thirteen with five walks and two home runs, which is a five thirty eight batting average with a six sixty seven on base percentage and a one point one five four slugging. He was just a one man wrecking crew, which you know it was unfortunate that when Freddie Freeman went out, but. Julian was the guy doing all the damage. Right. 
that's cool i mean yeah it, it's just nice to see a, a, a canadian guy come up and look like he belonged his left-handed swing just looked real looked like it could do damage against any kind of pitching let alone you know great britain pitching <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so it's just really cool to see tyler o'neill had a funny moment because he uh he was eight for 13 with five walks. So his on base percentage was 722. And he was lamenting that he didn't come up bigger in some spots. It's like, <laughs> dude, you couldn't have done much more. Oh, man. I always want to take guys like that out to the drawing board and be like, okay, I'm going to put it on in. Maybe if we write this down on a whiteboard for you, your job as a hitter is to not make outs. Anything else you do is a bonus. So if you're if you got a 722 on base percentage, you're only making outs in this tournament like 27 percent of the time. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to highlight those two guys specifically. Cool. I thought there was going to be a pitching performance in there, but maybe I, given John Axford and Philippe Philippe Omont were uh, on the team, maybe I shouldn't have expected that. Um, I mean, it was really cool to see both those guys pitch. So I, I, the, they pitched fine. They both they both pitched well, actually. But just their stories involved with those guys. Axford getting his Tommy John. Uh, basically, his career was over. He got the surgery anyway. And then Omal had retired to become a farmer and then broke his tailbone, I think it was, two months before the tournament. And he still came back and pitched and got them out of a bases loaded jam in his first first appearance. By the way. There's no better pitcher in the world than Philippe Aumont with the bases loaded in the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> he will get out of it. No runs allowed. Oh, man. I mean, if you got one specialty, it sounds, that's cool. It's a cool specialty to have. <laughs> um, all right. Otto Lopez. Yeah, it was interesting. We talk, I think we discussed Otto Lopez a bit on the last podcast, how him being away could potentially hurt his bid for the 26 man on the roster. But I think it was anything, but he went five for 17 with a triple and a home run that you, you alluded to that were big in, in that Columbia game. And he ended it finished it up with a 294 average, 333 on base, 588 slugging. And he played a competent shortstop, which has always been a bit of a question for Lopez. So if you're looking for a utility player, a guy who can play second short and every outfield spot and can hold his own with the bat, I mean, he did. Look, it's the first round of the WBC. There's a lot of hitting against guys who aren't great pitchers because starters aren't allowed to go deep. But he produced. He he didn't fail, and I don't think you can ask for more than that. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to say that um, the the trip was good for him having having those numbers as opposed to if he got to the WBC and gone like oh for his first eight. Uh, and come out with no extra base hits, right? At, at least, at least the playing time he got, he made productive. Yeah, and there's just nothing more that he could have done. I have to think. You know, you know, I guess theoretically he could have put up Edouard Julien numbers, but that's not reasonable to ask for from anyone. But he just did his job and was a catalyst for the Canadian offense from the uh, not quite the middle, it's the middle bottom of the order, and. He showed what he's shown in the minor leagues to this point, really, that he's just a good hitter. He's not going to hit for a ton of power, the home run notwithstanding. But, you know, one strikeout in 18 plate appearances. That's more like Otto Lopez. All right. Meanwhile, back in Dunedin, um, we have Yusei Kikuchi first up as, as guys to talk about. So overall, Kikuchi's numbers still look 
great. Uh, he did pitch today. We're recording this on the 17th, St. Patty's Day, um, where he, he ran into some of his typical first inning walk problems for the first time, really, this spring. Yeah, his last two innings have been a little walk heavy. He's got six walks over his last six innings pitched, which is <laughs> that's what we saw last year. The odd thing about today's appearance, I didn't see the one against the Phillies on the 12th. I don't think it was televised for some reason. But in today's outing, he did not get swings and misses in this first inning of work. And I, I don't know what was causing that. Was it if it was I couldn't t from where I'm sitting, I can't really necessarily see the location. But even so, there were a lot of guys just barely fouling off balls, which led to him getting walks instead of what would have normally been strikeouts. So it wasn't the walks weren't as worrying as you think they might be, given that swings and misses is something he can always get. That's never going to be a consistent problem for you, say Kikuchi. Yeah, I, I think it's tough to put a lot into to one or two outings, which is always the spring training problem. Um, but he did settle down after that first inning uh, in terms of he retired eight of the next nine. So it didn't, it wasn't, you know, come off the rails and, and then get pulled, you know, one out into the second because he's up to his pitch limit. Yeah, and, you know, he got two swinging strikes in his first inning and eight in the next two, uh, next inning and two-thirds or whatever it was, or when oh, no, I pitched into the fourth. So, yeah, next two and a third. So he just was able to start getting, doing what he is known for, and when he does that, he can escape a little bit of wildness because he can go from 0-2 to 3-2 and, and then get the strikeout, but today it was 0-2 and 3-2, foul, 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 walk. So... I wasn't I wasn't too concerned with what I saw today. His stuff looked really good, and he he threw a lot more fastballs than he has been. So I wonder if he was working on just trying to trying that approach. Uh, on the flip side of the the final starter debate is Mitch White. He completed a I think it was you know, it was a full full batting practice session, live batting practice. He was and he's been working on his changeup, but he got through it. It sounds like looking strong. Uh, looked looked fully healthy. Had and it's bad news for some of these guys who thought they might have had an inside track at a at a bullpen job with his injury. But it's really good for the Blue Jays because they need as much depth, especially in the guys who can pitch deep in games department, as they can possibly get early in the season. Yeah, length in innings anywhere is uh, is always an asset. Uh, and Mitch White, certainly, regardless of where he ends up, whether as long man or in the fifth rotation spot to start the season, I, I think, provided he doesn't have the disaster that he had in 2022 when he came over to the Blue Jays, provided he's more like Dodgers Mitch White, uh, I think, he, yeah, he, he provides that uh, that thing that, you know, Jordan Romano and, and Zach Pop are not going to be able to give you. Yeah, and it's especially, I think, important given the state of the depth. So. Drew Hutchison has a minor oblique injury. It's apparently, it's apparently very minor, but still, he's one of the guys on the starting depth chart. And Zach Thompson just keeps getting torched. <laughs> so they need someone who, if someone goes down, they can count on at least someone to step in and give them viable major league innings. Because right now, until Ryu gets back or Tiedemann gets some more development time, or oh, he's also <laughs> on the shelf a little bit right now, or Zulueta shows he can work as a starter. They need someone who can have, help them out in that emergency in April or May. Sorry, I missed what happened to Tiedemann. 
just has a sore shoulder. So they, he, he's throwing again, expects to be back in games next week, but they, they, they just wanted to not risk anything with their star prospect. Makes sense. Um, moving around the rotation, uh, Chris Bassett had a large uh, sort of um, profile piece uh, in Sportsnet, which I, I read and then I read and I read some more because it went into at great lengths to explain what he was doing. But essentially, you uh, were talking about his velocity and how you wished he would just air it out to prove that he could, you know, still throw 93 miles an hour. <laughs> and that was addressed specifically uh, in the article, among other things, is that part of his plan is to throw at, at 80% velocity in order to uh, work out um, work out the kinks uh, and get settled into spring training without worrying about results. Yeah. So I, I read this article and it said that in his fourth outing, he likes to establish a velocity floor to begin the season from and then focus on refining one or two of the secondary pitches. Okay. But he didn't really establish a velocity floor. He did. He didn't touch 93 once. And then that's, that's his average velocity for the season typically. And in this game, he hit 92 or better three times. The, the article said eight, but they were just rounding up. <laughs> you know, he has 91.6 or better eight times. And this is a guy that in previous seasons averaged around 93 miles an hour and touched 96.5. So I'm still very much looking forward to seeing both those numbers. I, I get if he's not going to air it out for the 96, but I want to see at least some 93s and 4s. Uh, I find the longer the um, the article and the more indulgent it is about the process that a player is going through, the less I tend to believe that it's just a process that the player is going through. Uh, that's I, the skeptic in me. An inverse relationship, believability and length of, of article? Yep. Yeah, 100%. It's like if you got to explain it for fourteen paragraphs that you're not throwing as hard as you used to be because you want you don't you know you don't need to be throwing hard. Mm, I don't know. I'm gen gently ringing bells are going off. I wouldn't say alarm bells. Some, some sort of bell, some sort of uh, some sort of detector of of fertilizer is going off in my head. But we'll see. I mean, I hope he's. I, I hope it doesn't matter whether he throws ninety six or not. To be perfectly honest, um, I I just think it always does. If you used hope. to, <laughs> if you're used to pitching with a certain velocity band and you fall out of it, it just it forces you to change. I mean, some guys can do it, but it's hard for most. Fair enough. Uh, and then the last person on the starter uh, go round is uh, Kevin Gossman, who we are following up essentially on the fact that he wasn't pausing in his delivery for his entire career, <laughs> and now he has to because of the pitch clock. Um, what kind of results has he had since he he was enforcing his new rhythm? Yeah, so um, we discussed this. You kind of <laughs> dismissed the idea that it would matter. Well, the next start certainly supported your theory. <laughs> <laughs> he came. He went home against the Pirates and got uh, he got twelve swings and misses in his four innings of work. It wasn't even four full innings because he reached a pitch limit. And he struck out seven batters. He just looked in complete command of of the. I mean, it was it was kind of the Pirates B lineup, I mean, and the Pirates B lineup was pretty bad. But 
he was just he was still toying with them. That splitter was just diving out of the zone, and he was getting a lot of good location on his fastball. And it was exactly what you want to see. He still wasn't, you know, he wasn't throwing those 97, 98s, but he was hitting 96 a couple times. So it, it was a very, very encouraging start for Kevin Gossman, both from a stuff readiness standpoint and from comfort with the extra pause in his delivery that he had specifically worked not to have a few years ago. Cool. I, I'm, occasionally I get to be randomly lucky about being correct about something. Um, yeah, I, speaking of B lineups and such, I know spring training is always a, a mishmash, especially in the first couple of weeks. But when I get game highlights and I have to like check repeatedly to see who is actually scoring um, from, from it was like, you know, Winton Bernard doubles. And you're like, is that good or bad? <laughs> I don't know who <laughs> Wenton Bernard is. Um, I would also like to say you've been you've been saying over and over again the Jays should get Zach Britton, Josh. Like the Jays have Zach Britton. I don't know what your problem. I'm wondering is. when that was going to come up. <laughs> I want Zach with a K. Zach with an H is fine, but I want Zach with a K. <laughs> um, the, the Jays actually kind of made a mockery of this when they played the Red Sox earlier in the in the week in Fort Myers. Now, Fort Myers is a good two hours from where the Jays play. So it's not close. It's a long bus ride. But in non-WBC years, the rules are you're supposed to send at least four roster players. So sometimes teams cheat that a little bit. They'll send three and a top prospect who could theoretically be fighting for a spot. The Jays sent zero. Oof. The only guy who you could even somewhat argue is involved is Nathan Lucas, who's currently who has never played in the major leagues. That was that was the one guy that was in the lineup. It was just an absolute joke. And look, people say, oh, you don't want to expose your stars to the bus ride, blah, blah, blah. It's not, you know, it's spring training. It, look, people paid to go to this game. And if I Red Sox fans paid to go watch the Red Sox play the Blue Jays and they did not see the Blue Jays. They saw the Bisons and the Fisher Cats. And I don't know. I just I just find that kind of stuff very disappointing because it hurts the paying public and, the, and spring training games are way too expensive to begin with. Um, it is definitely um, interesting if you just if you just search by at bats. Uh, number six for the uh, number five for the Blue Jays is Nathan Lucas. Number six is Addison Barger. Barger. Um, Barger. Barger. Uh, number eight is Rainier Nunez. Uh, number eleven is Britton. Number 12 is Winton Bernard, and uh, uh, tied with him is Rob Brantley. That's before you get to the number of plate appearances that Kevin Kiermeyer and Whit Merrifield have had. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a thing of early spring training because this, the regulars are only getting in a bat or two, and then these guys come in and finish the games every day. As, the, as spring goes on, that tends to even out a little bit. Uh, unless the Blue Jays keep gaming the system like they did the other day. And uh, I just I just love that Major League Baseball players can't survive a two-hour bus ride. It's, right. It's nonsense. <laughs> it's, we can't make it. Like, man. where was Kevin Biggio or Santiago <laughs> Espinal or something? It, it could have worked. It could have been fine. Um, oh, well, that's how it goes. Any other final uh, field notes from spring now that you're actually down there with your, your eyes on the prize, so to speak? Yeah, uh, Simber made his. I think it was his spring debut. I don't. I don't think he'd thrown yet. He'd been doing. We'd been working on things in the backfields by latest reports. 
And he looked good. He came back and he looked like Adam Simber, you know, doing his same thing. He he's the most predictable pitcher, but it works because it's still so funky. He'll do sinkers and sliders until he gets two strikes, and he'll throw a high four seam and strike you out if you swing at it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he, now he was doing it to the Phillies minor leaguers who. I don't think they've ever seen anybody like Adam Simber before, so I can understand them just having no shot. But still, he looked game ready. The fastball velocity was around where it normally is, 86, 87. He doesn't throw very hard. And the command was there, so great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, mean, and, I, can't, I can't throw 50 miles an hour overhand. I can't imagine doing whatever he does at 85. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and then Romano looks ready. You know, he's throwing hard, throwing his good slider, yeah, I don't think he needs to, he needs many more outings to uh, to be ready to go for the season. He could probably go right now. Nice to hear about the tune-ups. All right, uh, we're gonna tune ourselves up, and then we're that, that sounds rude. Um, and we're gonna be right back after this short break. And we're back. I'm feeling like myself. Are you feeling like yourself, Josh? Yeah. Are you ready for the stinger? Oh, baby, yes. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, no, I will only say them once. Uh, Ewan <laughs> Ross at Men Talk says, How can we apply pressure? baseball candidate to fire Ernie Witt. Does he have a job for life? Oh boy, if someone can figure out the answer to the first part of that, I'd love to figure, <laughs> I'd like to join them in it because, oh man, I just don't get Ernie Witt. He's really bad at this and he's not good at the recruiting part because none of Canada's major leaguers really play. He's not good at the in-game part because he let Dalton Pompey's career die, and then he used Canada's one major league starting pitcher in their game against Great Britain. And what else is there? <laughs> you know, it's like if he can't handle the tactics and he can't handle the recruitment, why is he running it? Apparently, he comes cheap. He's, he's, yeah. the, he's the only person on, on the uh, Baseball Canada's guy's iPhone. He can't figure out where all of his other contacts uh, have gone. Um, yeah, and I've seen two uh, people or two versions of why he would start Cal Quantrill against the UK or no, against Great Britain. The first one was that this would allow him to be ready for the quarterfinal game. Well, you got to get there first, and they didn't get there. <laughs> the second one, which was even worse to me, but might be real is it by winning their game against Great Britain, they guaranteed they would avoid being relegated and have to qualify, which is the biggest loser energy reason <laughs> you could possibly think. Play to um, win. Yeah, play to not get relegated. Um, I, I, I'm just astonished that, the, you know, Canada has never really had any kind of, of serious go at anything in the WBC. Nope. Uh, and yet we keep rolling out the same guy over and over again. If he if he if he'd taken us to the semifinals once or something and was riding on that, I would understand it. But it's like oh, he's coasting on that Pan Am win from ages ago. That's it. That's why that's why Ernie Witt is still in in the in place because he has done something successful once, but just not on the major stage. Call Larry Walker. He's there. 
Okay. So it's Russell Martin. Get Larry Walker to hit Ernie Witt over the head with a baseball bat. Just tell Ernie Witt to drink Joe Boo's rum. <laughs> it's your solution for everything, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good solution. Uh, yeah, I mean, what we haven't actually tried it yet, so I'm going to say sure. That's that's our next step. Oh my goodness. Um, then we have another question. We're just going to move on to another question because I do not know who at Baseball Canada is in charge of these things. Uh, Ellie Soros at Mastodon.lol. Ellie Ellie Hart uh, says, "Do you have any favorite baseball memories with either blood or chosen family?" I'll let you go first. Um. It was, uh, I don't remember how I got the tickets, but it was, it was for Father's Day 2007. It was a game against the White Sox, and I, I took my dad to the Rogers Center. Uh, and we hadn't been to a baseball game since like 1992 or 1993, like the, the World Series years. Um, and it was a really nice afternoon. Uh, my dad at the time knew more about baseball than I did, like the current players and everything. I remember like Canerco at first base. And I think the Blue Jays even lost. Um, but that kind of renewed my my passion for the sport. Um, it was a, a day at the ballpark with my dad, as cheesy as that sounds. So thanks, Pop. Hey, it doesn't sound cheesy at all. That's kind of what the whole concept of baseball is built on. Families enjoying the game together. That's how it's always been marketed. So if it's cheesy, well, that's what they're wanting you to be. It works. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Worked for me. Yeah, and for me, it's it's a similar kind of thing. I, uh, my earliest memories of going to baseball games are actually, I know I went to some beforehand, but it's just going to spring training with my family. You know, I'm still here. I still went with my dad today. <laughs> and, you know, being able to do things like that and just be connected to the game in a different way. And, you know, another one that's just immediately came to my mind when this question popped up was, I guess it was four or five years ago no probably more than that seven or eight years ago um i caught I, I was at a game with my mom and i caught a foul ball and i was able to give it to her and that that was just really fun and really cool and she just really enjoyed it so i got a kick out of it too yeah 100 percent. If, if if the people you're with are stoked about um catching a home run or uh nearly catching a foul ball even you know the whole the whole thing that becomes part of the story of your trip to the game right um, ball her parody of a parody. Um, I'm, maybe she's parody of a parody of a parody. I'm not sure. At baseball, her uh, says Keith Olbermann. Do I need to ask? I feel like I either blocked or muted Keith Olbermann a very long time ago because I don't see anything from him anymore. Maybe he blocked me. <laughs> well, I mean, blocking him. I think more people should block him so that <laughs> no one can retweet him. <laughs> he just had a really awful take on the WBC after Diaz's injury that we alluded to in our crass <laughs> log line at the top of the show. He just, he, he basically called the, U, the WC, WBC useless and then made a reference to players playing from the, just playing for the country where their grandmother got laid, which is misogynistic and gross and just, uh, I don't want to even give it much more energy than I'm giving it. You know, it's well, just... we're not giving him a do-over, so that tells you how low we think that went. Yeah, he doesn't get a do-over. He just needs to go away. Yeah. Uh, Mike at Go Sends Go 101. Uh, Lucas versus Lopez. Boy, um, 
Lucas has looked pretty good, and Lopez looked great. I still think Lopez is the right answer just because he can fill in at more spots. He's a right-handed bat, and they don't need another guy who can play center field because they have three of them in the outfield. And I think that Lopez is a better pinch-running option, so I think it's Lopez. Uh, plus, uh, apropos of nothing, he's Canadian-ish enough. Yeah. I mean, how, how long has it been since we've talked about the Canadian and how much playing time he was getting on the Blue Jays? Jordan Romano? Yeah. Well, we, but we don't discuss his playing time. I mean, it, it's the old... That's true. He's the closer. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the Michael Saunders thing where it's like, should they be playing him more? Um, uh, minor Leaguer at Minor underscore Leaguer. Did Jose Barrios, World Baseball Classic Performance... Move the needle for you in terms of what you expect from him this season. Josh has told me prior to me reading this question that he, he threw one inning and allowed five runs. Six runs, five earned runs. Oh, five earned uh, runs. The needle swingeth, yeah. swingeth hard in an uncomfortable direction, I guess, if it swings anywhere. Yeah, I don't. It doesn't really swing the needle in terms of my expectations. I guess you could say it makes me a little more worried, <laughs> but in the end, I still think that it's one start in mid-March and he was facing Venezuela who finished, you know, rolled through that group and has a lot of really good hitters. And if you're not sharp and you're facing hitters who are ready, you can get crushed. I, I need him if he does it again. So Puerto Rico's winning right now as we record this. If they win this game against Mexico in advance, he will start the next one against. I think it'll be Cuba. I'm, I'm not sure, but if he gets torched in that one too, then I'll be more worried. Um, I have nothing to add to that one. I'm just going to go to the next question. Matt Halliday, Halliday uh, 08 Matt. How do you think the Blue Jays will use Nate Pearson this season? Obviously, as a reliever, uh, but I mean in terms of leverage innings and such. So this is uh, me making a guess. I have a feeling Nate Pearson is going to be the, the play it by ear more than a lot of other guys in that bullpen because he has pitched so little. Uh, they know he can throw very hard. They know he's been good as a reliever. I think how how late he gets called upon. I think they start him in like the sixth or seventh. And then I, I think if he's really good, he gets moved, obviously, to that right in front of Jordan Romano role if he's more consistent than anybody else. Uh, yeah, and that latter part, I think, is the important one. It really depends on what these other guys do. First, Eric Swanson looks awful, by the way, in the spring, but spring. Um, Jimmy Garcia looked great in the WBC, throwing harder than he's ever thrown before. But give me more, Jimmy. So. <laughs> Yeah, but I think you were right about where he'll start. He'll start in that bridge role to the late game relievers. And, well, no, first he'll start in the minors. <laughs> but when he comes up, I think it'll be in that bridge role. And I think it's going to be all dependent, as you said, on how he's doing and how the other guys are doing. Stuff-wise and talent-wise, he belongs at the back of the pen if he's in the bullpen. He belongs like in the biggest leverage spots you can find. But... He's got to earn it. Yeah, the, the bullpen is is the most democratic um, thing in baseball. Uh, if if you know if someone gets hurt, gets injured, or stops performing, it, it usually only takes a week or two 
for things to start to shuffle around. Like how, how many times have you heard someone lose the closer's job and the guy who replaced him lose the closer's job within, you know, within one season. Whereas <laughs> being in a lineup somewhere, you can get anchored in a spot you don't belong for months. Yep. So I'm, I'm counting on the, the natural democracy of the bullpen depth chart to solve that problem. For me, those are the questions that you have had for us. Uh, we thank you no, for there. Them. Is one oh, more. There's one more. How did I miss it? Oh, I didn't like it probably. You didn't highlight it for me on the list of questions that I should be reading. You read it then. I don't know where it went, it just seems to have disappeared. There was a question from Colleen about our favorite moments from the uh, the first part of the the, pool, the the qualifying pool of the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you're going to have to fill in those blanks unless you're going to let me use the... Ah, uh... oh, I see, because she asked me and she sent it to my Twitter directly, not the not the turf pod. Because she knows I'm was... not watching. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was, yeah, what was your favorite moment in the pool play and, and the new, which of the newly qualified teams impressed you the most? The first part was Yu Chang hitting the game-tying home run against Italy, I think it was, for Chinese Taipei in Taiwan and the crowd just going absolutely bananas i love seeing these crowds support the, the countries and the fear and the fervor with which they're doing it it's just really exciting it makes you understand how big baseball is in some of these places i mean i had a pretty good idea before that but you still it's cool to see it and as the teams that impressed me the most venezuela they they rolled through easily the toughest group in the entire thing in the entire tournament and you know they're going to be a, a fun team to watch in as the in the quarters and maybe beyond. Is Miggy still is still technically on that roster, right? Mm-hmm. One for nine, but still on the roster. It's it's Miggy magic. Yep, you can believe uh, that concludes our questions. Um, so we thank you all for asking them, um, and uh, we encourage you to ask again, though perhaps new questions next time around. <laughs> Uh, we move on to uh, something we call the gold star. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Duque Hebert, uh, a name that I don't think you and I had ever heard of before, who pitches for Nicaragua. Had you ever heard of this guy? No, he was pitching in the Nicaraguan Professional Baseball League. There's no chance I'd heard of him. Uh, then he closed out the game for Nicaragua in the WBC, striking out three out of four batters. Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, and Rafael Devers uh, in between a, uh, around a, a double to Manny Machado that he allowed. Uh, immediately after the game, the Detroit Tigers signed him to a contract. <laughs> yeah. And like this kind of thing is what the WBC is all about, right? It's the idea of players getting to showcase their talents on the world stage. The, 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 the alternate to this was the electrician striking out uh, Shohei Otani <laughs> with no pitches above 78 miles an hour. That was kind of fun for the Czech team. The guy's he's not a baseball player by trade. <laughs> and he struck out one of the best players in the world. But this guy actually okay. getting a professional contract out of it is tremendous. Uh, for the record, he he apparently at, on his baseball reference page is listed at five foot ten and one hundred and seventy pounds. Uh, so if that was the only qualification, um, 
I'm only about three pounds away of, of getting a contract with the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> I haven't read any further to see if he can do anything else, but it seems like I'm fully qualified. Uh, so yeah, congratulations on coming up big where it counts. A gold star to both um, Duque and to the Detroit Tigers for, um, for taking a chance on the guy. Because hey, it makes a great story, and why not? All right. Um, I think we have circled around to the part of the podcast uh, because not much is really going on, which is good because we didn't have a whole like laundry list of injury things to figure out. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, where I ask you if you have a final thought. Yeah, um, I'd like for the spring training to end right now and just the pitchers can pitch their get their pitch counts up on the backfields in live batting practice because nobody's hurt for the Blue Jays and I'd like it to stay that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that Edwin Diaz moment is the, the friendly reminder that, that tragedy can strike uh, anytime, anytime at all. Um, my, my final thought is uh, I am, I'm, I'm starting to warm to the idea of, of the, you know, the, seeing the Blue Jays on TV every every night again and and seeing these faces that i've I've come to understand of the blue jays core every night doing it for real i my final thought though is is the pain of last season's loss is still there is is that wrong yeah. no it's not okay it'll be it'll be there really until i mean it might be there until next postseason yeah and then it'll be replaced with either joy or a completely different kind of pain or double down <laughs> <laughs> all right which is to say that uh, i have been greg wistuski at coolhead 2010 and you have been joshua housem at joshua housem and this has been episode number 260 of artificial turf wars and we'll talk at you next week